0: Hello everyone, welcome to our bonus podcast. It's been a while since the last time we gathered around this table to discuss European basketball, but we are back, we are here and we are with some fresh lineup my friend, my co-host is here, finally, because people were uh, waiting uh, for you for okay. so long. And we also have Augustus Schlauskas, our video breakdowns guy, who also more frequently will join us on the podcast uh, throughout the season, because we're starting the new season, although it's so- uh, only the beginning of August, but basketball season is getting started because we will have plenty of national team basketball, including EuroBasket 2022. Today we will dedicate this podcast for the EuroLeague free agency, uh, mostly to cover the biggest signings, the biggest moves and biggest intrigues of the summer. So a lot of basketball to discuss, and I'm just happy to finally have these conversations with you guys. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank
1: you so much for such a honorable introduction. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm waiting for, for our uh, biggest fans of the podcast to throw some reminders for you, for your yeah. monthly haircut reminder. Top comment. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> sorry for not, let's say, um, introducing our break during the summer uh, yeah. because there were plenty of reasons why we didn't have a podcast for such a long time. First of all, uh, Rites uh, needed vacation a lot, so he was off uh, this summer. We kind of had some summer league roster, experimental roster with Augustus, with Eric McCollum. Eric was awesome, it was great, but then I had some family health issues, then I went for the summer league in Vegas and we just didn't have any time to make the podcast, so we will try to uh, kind of, you know, Make
1: up for the lost time, exactly. Yeah,
2: exactly. So, so this means twice a week now, guys. <laughs>
1: we'll see. <laughs> or, or maybe there are some f- plans. Four hour podcast, yeah. Four hour podcast, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot of enthusiasm was yeah, in your yeah. covering
2: yeah. all 18 Euro League teams and all Eurobasket <laughs> <Eurocof>, teams in, <laughs> leagues, in one pod,
0: LKL, yeah. <laughs> the G League, uh, <laughs> everything. Yeah, today our main topic is tough free, uh, and tough free, yeah, tough free Euro free agency winners and losers, including, uh, let's say, top three most exciting rookies to watch for the upcoming EuroLeague season. But at the same time, I mean, I'm waiting for this EuroLeague uh, season so much because we had so many transfers, big uh, summer moves that kind of really changed, significantly changed the general picture of the Euroleague basketball. And I believe it's gonna be very high level competition, but at the same time, we're gonna have very competitive Eurobasket competition with the biggest NBA stars in the tournament, including Yanis, uh, Jokic, Luka Doncic. And just for a short intro, probably we should share some reactions uh, from what happened in Serbia national team camp. They just kind of started their preparation for the Eurobasket. And the entire Europe was shocked because Milos. Miloš Teodosić, one of the biggest stars of the Serbian national team, long-time flagman of that national team, point guard, floor general, both of the and off the court was cut by coach Svetislav Pesic. So what were your first reactions after this
1: uh, report? Well, uh, as you said, a little bit shocked, but at the same time, I was shocked when they hired coach Pesic, so then (laughs) then you don't know what what to expect. And so he's the guy, he's the coach who wants to be in charge of everything. And Miloš Teodosic is a player who wants to be in charge of everything. So maybe these two characters kind of collided, I don't know, and it ended up like this. I don't have any inside info about any conflicts or whatever, because in the past, for example, when we saw how Sasha Djordjevic uh, cut uh, Vladimir Mitsov, then it was clear they had a huge row uh, during the game, one of the friendly games, and after that, there was it was impossible to continue. But F- from what I
0: hear, at least so far, after a couple uh, days passed, I didn't hear that there was any significant or any kind of conflict between Pesic and Todasic, Yeah. which also makes uh, things even more intriguing than why he decided to cut well, veteran.
1: Then you know, it's it's ca- it's kind of simple, you know. Milos Teodosic, it's not like he's some kind of a youngster you want to check in the national team uh, when, when you announce the list of 16 or 17 players. So either you want him on your team or not. If you don't, just don't call him. If you do, well, he has to be there. If he's on the roster, for every national team it's the same. In Lithuania, it's the same. If the coach calls up a 34-year-old player, we know he has a spot in the 12 exactly. roster. Uh, I don't remember any situation in which our coaches, Kozlowska Sirek, or whatever would cut a 34, 35 year old veteran mm-hmm. if he calls him up in the summer. So it's kind of strange, but you know, Augustus, maybe you can share your thoughts, uh, for the team in general, the way they play, mm-hmm. it might not be such a bad thing in my opinion, because Miloš Teodosic is a player who doesn't, de- doesn't play any defense at all. He got older and, I mean, he's kind of a, I'm not going to say pretentious, but a player that sometimes loses his temper on the court. We saw it in the past, even in his best days. So knowing that they have us a message, they just giving, I mean, Pesic is just giving the keys of the team to him and you you, you drive us. So maybe it's going to work out. Fine. Better? I don't know. Even better? You think maybe. so? Maybe.
2: I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation and uh, I don't know if you saw the Italian Serie A finals but I did. He was exposed on defense Milosh by yeah. by Ettore Messina. They attacked him in in every possession and maybe uh this is the thing behind all this story. But as you said, I agree to your point. Adding to your point, you don't call a veteran after seeing his performance in the finals. If you think this is going to be a problem for you and you don't like it, you don't call him. You don't expect him to show up for a couple of weeks of summer and then just cut him. And I was also uh, scrolling through Twitter yesterday, just some Serbian uh, comments looking through, and people were saying, he deserves a better explanation why he was cut. You know, you can't just go out and say, okay, guys, Serbia is cutting Miloš Teodosic out of the blue, you know, there has to be some kind of, I don't know, maybe press conference or even a statement on why it, yep. was, it was done. Because it's you don't do that to a, to a hero of the national team. Well, he's for a legend so long. Yeah, because he's a legend.
1: When we remember all those successful tournaments, the World Cup, when they went to the final, the Olympics, Miloš was the key player. He was the guy, he, he was the one that, I mean, I remember when Lithuania was preparing to play Serbia in in the EuroBasket 2015 was it or 2013 2015 probably? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, 2015 the semifinals. Fo- the whole focus was on Milos, and and from Coach Kozlowska's p- point of view, the only focus was how how to control him, how to limit Milos Teodosic. Nothing else, nothing other than that. So it's kind of a mistreatment, you could say knowing the past, knowing what a legend Miloš is, but maybe, perhaps, I don't know, Pesic wanted to see him like in a very limited role with very limited mil- minutes, and maybe Miloš himself didn't agree to that. But you
0: can make this conversation before the training camp. I mean, you, you can should. make the phone call you should. to explain your
1: you situation,
0: should. your approach of this year's national team, and if Miloš doesn't like it, just don't call him to, for the training camp. And uh, so far it was it, ju-
2: it was obvious, like Vasily Mises is there. Yeah. yeah. He could not have and expected they have to enough, be
0: the first point guard. They have enough, let's say, point guards or ball handlers because now it's, it's Mitic, Avramovic, even Goodrich or Nemanja Nedovic, uh, Yaramaz, Marinkovic is also in the training camp. I mean, they have enough ball handlers and they kind of, you know, not feel the... Uh, they they might be not even missing uh, Teodosic. It's not like for Spain uh, that they have to naturalize uh, Lorenzo Brown, for example, which is another disaster of our national team uh, basketball. But anyways, so far it was just unofficially reported, although it's kind of a fact, but it was not confirmed by the Serbian uh, Basketball Federation. And the official press conference, where we will be waiting for some kind of explanation from Pesic, uh, from what I've heard, should be organized before the first friendly games against uh, Slovenia. I think that they're playing Slovenia on 17th uh, of August. So maybe we will have some explanation from Pesic because as you guys mentioned, this situation requires uh, some respectful uh, explanation. Almost 10 days of waiting before. It's crazy. crazy. Too much time for Mm -hmm. speculations.
1: I mean, they should do it right now. They should do a press release uh, release right now. Basketball wise, if Bogdan Bogdanovic was there, I would say there's absolutely no problem to play without Miloš Teodosic. I agree. Now, even without Bogdan Bogdanovic, they're still a very good team that can go all the mm. way in the Eurobasket. But if Bogdan was there, I, I would say there's no problem. You have Vasa, Micic, and Bogdan, Bogdanovic. I mean, so Teodosic in this case is just for his veteran presence maybe needed in the team. But, well, it is what it is. It's a really strange and unusual situation, actually. I mean, can you imagine, for <laughs> example, uh, uh, Dimitris Etudis would call up I don't know, parenthesis, if he's not retired yet. Costas Lucas, Yeah, yeah. And, and just cut him after a few weeks of training camp. Thinking. It was
0: not even few weeks, probably. It was just like a. a I, I don't know when autonomy. they
1: started. Like, Lithuanian team started. Yeah,
0: pretty early, yeah
1: almost weeks ago. almost yeah. two weeks ago. So I don't know when the Serbians did, but...
0: The funniest thing is that the Serbian legend Jarko Paspal, just before that decision, said that uh, Serbian national team should think about uh, bringing a foreigner, just like Spanish national team did. I don't know if you read the, the news. I, d- I did, but did he mean like <laughs> a foreigner coach? Or? No, 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 player. And a player, that's player. where okay. player. Our, I, I, I follow my friend, Marco Pagliaricio, how to how to read this name? You're Italian, you know, Marco. Uh, it's it's probably Pagliariccio, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Show me. Yeah. Show me. And <laughs> I, I cover a lot of football. Yeah. I I he tell he played Italian in Italy Rizzo? for three four years. He knows. Uh, he yeah. Knows yeah good, he, he knows I better. I better. Know. Probably, and he made a great awesome tweet when you need. Uh, so bad to strengthen uh, the team, the foreigner, that you can cut Teodosic. I mean, that's great, great, awesome tweet. I mean, what kind (laughs) of, uh, what what we're talking about? I mean, you're talking about naturalizing players for Serbian national team. I mean, I don't know in which position.
1: I don't know in in which position. So many national teams really have huge quality gaps in certain positions, but Serbia, they're stacked. Point guards, centers, I don't know power forwards, but <laughs> Serbia had a list. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. Serbia had a list of 22 players, and they could have made two, two teams. Two teams. If teams. everybody is there, yeah, like Bogdanovic, Bielica, If everybody, absolutely all of the best Serbian players are there, you can definitely make two competitive yeah. national teams, for sure, like France. Also,
0: yeah, one title contender and one probably quarterfinal team. I mean, (laughs) that's how they are good. (laughs) Yeah. And they need to naturalize players just like Spanish national team did. I mean, I I would really like to meet that guy who introduced this rule (laughs) to FIBA, you know, (laughs) allowing to naturalize (laughs) players. And Mm -hmm. I just have this hope that maybe it was created for cases like Ignace Brasdakis, for example, or just for some uh, players with roots of the national teams they're joining. Maybe they were grow up in, in America, but their parent, parents, for example, they were from that country. Maybe it was created for that thing, but I would like to meet that guy and to talk about the way this naturalization process you know, evolved in well, a very tragic way regarding national teams. I don't That's know,
1: what I'm, what I'm not that skeptical actually. Uh, I mean, I know my, my opinion on this is, is really unpopular, but I don't have any problems with that, honestly. Um, I, I'm a, I'm an ultra liberal guy, and if if an American person wants to accept a Spanish n- passport, Spanish nationality, and he he he's sacrificing his American passport for this for this cause, I don't have any problems with that. If it's it's okay for the Spanish Basketball Federation, if it's okay for the Spanish government. And he wants to play for the national team. I don't have a problem with that, honestly. But it's just me. It's just my take. But I, but, I know but. that usually people wouldn't accept this because Lorenzo Dontes. Brown <laughs> doesn't have uh, anything, on, anything in common with, with, uh, with, with Spain. Like some players, That's like pressure, we heard yeah. now about Nick Whaler, Bob, for example, but his grandparents yeah. are German, so it's, it's, At it's, least there it's is kind is some of connection. different. Or when guys like Mirotic get Spanish passports, yeah. he's been in Spain in, in Madrid system like Ibaka, the since he, he was a teenager. So it's different, but it's a great zone. But I just don't have a problem, no. honestly. I just don't d- like the general idea that
0: we're making just basketball manager from the national team uh, yeah, but uh, basketball. I'm a I football
1: mean, fan, right? Oh yeah, that's a different world. In yeah. football, I mean, I can give you an example. For example, there is a player, Emeric Laporte, a very good world-class defender. He was never called up for the French national team because the coach didn't really want him, didn't really like him. So in one day, approaching the Euros, the European Football Championship, all of a sudden he's not Amérique Laporte, he's Amérique Laporte, because now he's going to play for Spain. Mm. And nobody really cares about that. It's not such a big deal in football. In basketball, every time we see an American playing for Croatia, for Montenegro or Slovenia with Toby or, or Randolph, everybody is shocked or angry or whatever. I'm just the one probably who doesn't have a problem with this. But you just lose the idea of the national team. Exactly. Exactly. That. I mean, you already have
2: club basketball where, you know, teams would take local players and then add foreigners. So why to make another competition similar to that? I know it's only one player, Yeah. but you know, this is why the national team and the Euro baskets and the world cups and the Olympics for me are beautiful because, you know the, the countries are playing and not the bunches of different players from all different con- countries so if you have roots like nicholas vailer bab for me that's fine like the yeah. ignos brisdekis situation was the same he didn't have the passport but for spain to naturalize lorenzo brown you know eric eric had a completely different opinion and i don't agree with that you know mm. but um it just loses the, the the beauty of of the EuroBasket and the World Cups. I, I would love to see you know that the best players of each country just playing against each other and. Figuring out and which, well, which uh, also one is the, the best.
0: Picture of the national team roster also tells something about the general basketball situation in that country. For example, we as Lithuanians, we had the huge problems with the next big point guard after Šrūnas Sesikavic. We still do
1: actually. To we be honest. still
0: do, and we're patient. We have to be patient with Rokas Yokobaitis not making too much expectations for his uh, debut. Not debut, but very important uh, upcoming performance. First in first big basket. tournament, yeah, mm. uh, with a lot of responsibilities. But anyways, I mean, it's it's way more interesting to see how these countries will try to solve the problem. Maybe they will change their basketball system in order to prepare more perimeter players. But why do you have to do that? If you can just bring some great point guard, American player like, I know, Kevin Pangos. Okay, kind of of Slovenian. But it depends on
1: on the approach of the Basketball Federation, actually. Well, uh, we kind of got used Mm. to those smaller teams. Like I said, Macedonia or Montenegro having an American, but now it's Spain. So everyone's talking because what the hell they're they're too good for that they're the world cup winners in the previous years not so long ago they were usual olympic finalists they were the team closest to team usa in terms of quality and all of a sudden because all brothers are out all the older players calderon uh, chacho rodriguez navarro they're either retired or approaching retirement and now new generation of players and all of a sudden they need an American point guard. I know it it has a lot to do with Ricky Rubio's situation and and Jorge Garbajosa gave his arguments, let's say. But uh, my general idea is that as long as it works out fine for that country, they don't really care. Did you hear any Slovenians complaining about Anton Randolph in 2017 when when they won the Eurobasket? Or for example, I remember 2011, it was in Lithuania, and macedonian fans all over the streets chanting <laughs> lesterbo Makaleb oh <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah I mean, so he was the they were about to, st- to build
0: year. a statue for him i mean it, like so maybe it, maybe we should be smarter i mean as no no nah, nah, it, it's just me i'm
1: a, i'm very liberal mm. and you could say i ha- i'm a i'm kind of a globalist so I, i'm accepting all these things and i don't have any problems with that I wouldn't have a problem with an American porting in Lithuania honestly I'm probably the only one in our country mm. with with such mindset but that's just who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so that's supposed
0: to be a podcast about the EuroLeague basketball. Yeah, <laughs> we got it. Right, great this, introduction. Let's say heated debate. Yeah, just let <laughs> let us give, give us some time to talk about basketball. Something that's like how politics, it goes, you know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's let's start the Euro league conversation. It, it, it will be normal probably <laughs> uh, in this time of the year because uh, probably we have some topics mixing up, like uh, considering EuroBasket and also some EuroLeague movement. Of course, there's not much movement uh, in the Euro league. Uh, left, but still we might have some interesting topics. So uh, let's begin. Uh, let's begin with top three EuroLeague uh, summer market uh, winners one by one. Let's introduce our picks and let's start with Augustus, for example. I mean, what's your number one
2: obvious pick? I was making yesterday like a tire list for each team, like just putting mm. and uh, categorizing and <laughs> For me, simply it was it was very simple. The number one team was Anadolu Efes, the reigning champions. Exactly what they did after winning two titles, simply simply astonishing. Not only not only they still have Vasily Mitis and Shane Larkin, and th- we were we were everyone was talking already last summer. Someone is going to leave. At yeah. least one of is going to leave. Not not only they play this season, they are going to play the next season as well. So you ha- build continuity around them. And you know these are two probably of top three best players in the Euro, in the Euroleague right now. And then you add Will Clyburn, who is probably one of the best small forwards, let's say, in Euroleague. And he is. And these three players, they are really good on ball, but they are really also good off the ball. Like if someone else creates the situation for you, they are go- they are so dangerous. They can each of them they can uh, score free pointers, drive on closeouts, like. These three players are a basis to, to winning a three-peat. And I'm not, not sure when was the last time it was done in the it, Euroleague it actually. Was never, it was, it was it never done in the history okay, of so the Euroleague. In my eyes, they could not they could not have done a better job to prepare for the three-peat. And also they changed they brought in Anti Zizic. Mm. So and you have a depth at the center position when Tibor Plyce is your third center. And he was the X-factor last yeah. year in the playoffs and in the final four. So to have that in your roster is, is pretty crazy. Obviously, uh, Mormon left, but they, okay. br- they, brought, they in brought in Polonaro, Polonaro they M- brought M- in uh, that they're good shooters. This is what they need at the four spot. So I can't see a better starting position on paper for, for, from the reigning champions.
0: That's true. Probably we all have them yeah, on
1: our it, top tier list. It wasn't difficult to pick. Honestly, when you, uh, like click on the standings, you see those 18 teams actually I would say more than half of them look like winners right now after this off season, because so many, uh, big signings and a lot of money spent, but FS knowing that they are champions two times in a row, uh, keeping two key players and adding will Clyburn like,
0: yeah, it's, it, it's a
1: guaranteed success. So they will be in the final four. There's no question about that. But I mean, when you're in the final four, you need to win one game of basketball and then nobody knows injuries can happen or any other stuff. But right now, looking at this roster, you cannot imagine them being unsuccessful. Like actually last season, they struggled in the regular season. It was kind of a challenge to make the playoffs eventually. Right now, I cannot imagine them struggling like this they should be much better from the beginning. I know that for some players, the Eurobasket might affect their performance in the beginning of the season, but that's why you have now Will Clyburn. I mean, Larkin will play in the Eurobasket, Mitsich will play in the Eurobasket, maybe they will have some sort of a slow start. Okay, so Clyburn could be the dominant player for the first four or five game weeks.
0: And yeah. they have new faces, uh, f- more fresh players, they're deeper, they they will have players like Zizic, and Baya others, um, to show something, you know, to prove something. So maybe they will, with that motivation, they will try to carry them in the beginning of the season. And
1: what an upgrade is Zizic, uh, you're signing him as a replacement for Petrushev, who yeah. was a very yeah. young Who's center, not even who didn't even play. And now you're signing a proven EuroLeague center, who was he actually probably one of the best centers playing back to the basket and right for now. He, for yeah. me,
0: he was the best candidate for the second uh, EuroLeague team. So aboard. Uh, wow.
1: What a luxury to have Tibor Plyas as a third option. Yeah, what a so luxury to have all these
0: players in the roster because yeah. Misic remained on a very luxurious uh, luxury contract or something close to 3.5 million. Larkin, he remained on the same conditions. He signed a new extension, which is also over 3 million euros. Uh, Clyburn came something more than 2 million euros. And I'm not even talking about these guys like Antejejic. I mean, a lot of money uh, were spent, but regarding to money, uh, it felt like that even FS were kind of preparing for a rebuild, or it felt like it was a sense of last dance in the EuroLeague Final Four. We weren't sure if Larkin was leaving. He had the hopes for the NBA. He kept this NBA exit clause, and also there were rumors since February, probably about Real Madrid. So Fenerbahce were kind of after Shin Larkin. I mean, it was not. We were not sure if he's staying. We kind. We were kind of. Uh, we felt it. it was kind of obvious that Misic was about to go to the NBA uh, and probably even them, they were surprised that everybody uh, stayed. And regarding to Misic, at the same time, it's kind of, you know, a blessing for the EuroLeague to have back-to-back Finals MVP in the tournament again, mm, trying to orchestrate his team for the uh, historical 3 performance, three-peat performance, but at the same time, it tells so much about the gap between NBA and Euroleague basketball that back-to-back finalist MVP, probably top three Euroleague player uh, currently being at his peak is only 27, uh, I think, or 28. Uh, And he's, he kind of wants to go to the NBA. He said that he was, he felt ready to go there. He doesn't want huge maximum contract in NBA. He was okay to have, let's say a few million dollars uh, per year, but we couldn't find any NBA team who was ready to give him to give him some, let's say, solid role, six, seven, eight million uh, dollars uh, per year, and nobody take took risks.
2: Wasn't it a contract situation, like the rights of that? That's true,
0: and OKC didn't want just to, to trade him, him for some yeah. uh, for peanuts, let's say. It also uh, was part of that why message stayed. But at the same time, there was not uh, an aggressive. Uh, buyer for message from other NBA teams. Okay. And it kind of makes me sad, you know, that we're talking about the huge, huge EuroLeague player, and probably the same happened with Boderog or Diamantidis, and the gap is so huge between the two leagues that it's just NBA teams don't want to take any risks, even if we're talking about the best EuroLeague NBA player at the moment. NBA
1: teams had so much success with European players recently, it's, it's strange that nobody wants Vasa Mistic, or at least doesn't want to Give him a mm-hmm. guaranteed role. I mean, you cannot treat Vasa mitch as an up-and-coming young European who needs to work his way up to the NBA level. Either you sign him to play, or you don't sign him. And it's a smart decision from his mm-hmm. part not to just go there to test himself, as he said he doesn't have anything to prove. We remember players like Nando De Colo going there, even Spanulis. Yeah, Spanulis was 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 there in Houston Rockets and just didn't feel right. Like when you see Vas- Vasilis Panulis playing without the ball in his hands and just being a, a corner free specialist, that's, that's not who he is. The so. same was
0: with Sharas because I think that Sharas o- also left for the NBA and his peak after his
1: Maccabi years. Yeah. yeah. Maybe just, Vasa doesn't yeah. want to go that path. If, if he goes to an NBA team, he needs to go to a team which will trust him where he can play and, and be happy. So, but... It's still possible. The window is still open. I mean, yeah. le- as you said, twenty-eight years, 27, 28 years old. At thirty, he will still be in his peak. He didn't have any very yeah. serious injuries. He always looks good in, in terms of, of of his shape and performances. So we'll just see what happens. But we should be happy to still maintain these uh, EuroLeague stars here like Mirotic Mitsic because uh, the tendency is that any younger player if he starts dominating in Europe he's going to go to the to the NBA and like we should um, uh, cherish the moments when we remember Luka Doncic playing his last final four and winning it because we're never going to see it again mm. <laughs> that's the reality at 18 and 38 maybe <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> maybe.
2: So the biggest- He's not, still not yet dominating uh, in the NBA
0: yeah. at that age. <laughs> okay. So the biggest winner of this league free agency is Anadolu Efes Istanbul. And it's normal that our picks might uh, clash each other. Let's say we might have the same picks, but do we have the same lock for the second biggest free agency winner? I don't think so. I had Real Madrid.
1: Okay. Okay. Can you elaborate on that?
2: S- mainly the similar reasons for uh, what Anadolu Efes did, but last year media was talking about how Real Madrid was really good at the front and not that good in the backcourt. Yep. You know, Williams-Goss was not playing that stable basketball. I mean, there was not many shot creators on that team. So what they do, they go out there and they sign, they bring back Chacho Rodriguez, they sign Mario Hezonia, who was amazing at Unix. Um, they add Janan Musa, And I don't know the situation with Williams Goss and Pierre Henry, but even with without them, they have 10 players in first three positions. And you have uh, Sergio Yui, who is, if Williams Goss staying or Pierre Henry comes in, he is the third point guard. In Real Madrid. And he's still you hungry.
1: He's playing for a national team, which means he still has a lot yeah. of passion left. He's
2: not the same UE as he yeah. was five years ago, but he's still a very good level player. Then you have Fabian Couser, who is your third option at shooting guard position, because you have maybe second, third depends on how Musi is playing. And then you have Gabriel Deck, Adam Hanga, and uh, what I'm for getting an You should throw a balde to the sale. list as well. And a balde R- and Rudy Fernandez. Yeah. And you have nine or ten players in these three first positions with shooters, with defenders, yeah. with uh, slashers, someone who can play play in the post w- with deck. Maybe so even
1: Juan Nunez will get more minutes in the ACB League, for example, mm-hmm. exactly the regular season. He is a very talented youngster. Exactly. Uh, I have to agree. I mean, Real Madrid they are always stacked. They always have 15 players and three players that don't make the 12 man list. They're <laughs> guys that would be in the starting lineup for many European teams. But yeah, exactly uh, why I didn't pick Real Madrid as winners, because I agree with every word you said, I didn't pick them as winners just because I'm kind of frustrated with the Pablo Lasso exactly, situation. I don't exactly think it was dealt let's go properly. I mean, I know they're going to continue playing the same basketball and It's not going to be a bad call to to, uh, promote, let's say, um, uh, Coach uh, Mateo, but uh, Pablo Lasso is such a respected, legendary coach. I just think it should have been addressed better. should have been communicated better because right now what we see is Pablo Lasso and his agent, they are talking like he's ready, he can coach. But Real Madrid, he was still under contract. The club decided that he cannot coach but he yeah. thinks he can and knowing how much Pablo Lasso did for, for, for El Madrid and uh, how amazing he was all these 10 or 11 years. I don't know. I just kind of feel sad about this. I, 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 I agree that in basketball terms, when you sign Hazonia and Musa and Chacho is coming back, these are great moves, but roster wise they made yeah. great moves but i'm just so mad at them
0: and i can, i won't forgive them for long so <laughs> yeah. i even put them in my losers list because they're losers their front office they're that, losers that's how mad you are for yeah. making this shameful situation i yeah. mean everybody doctor saying that he's good players believe in him players love him and even players were frustrated about this decision of the front office so it's it's just a yeah. bad managing of the team <laughs> and it's such a it's so pity that this such a grateful era of Pablo Lasso was cut in this way. Ended I in mean, this way. And yeah, I agree. don't I don't have anything wrong against Trus Mateo. I think that he's the best successor for Pablo Lasso in this situation. But he was
1: his right-hand man. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. And he will continue the same philosophy that uh,
1: Pablo Lasso brought and uh, he will keep the culture, but it's uh, just, just disaster. Now, I actually started thinking uh, when Augustus mentioned all the uh, players he signed and how good they should be this season. Last season, they won the Spanish league and they were one shot away from winning the EuroLeague (laughs) with all the problems that they had. So it was an amazing year, even though Mm -hmm. they were lacking in point guard position. And now with all these signings, Mm -hmm. but the thing is that uh you didn't expect them to win the Euroleague last season you didn't even kind of expect them to win the acb league you were thinking like in best of five barca is probably the better team yeah. Yeah. so what they did was uh going above the expectations but right now the expectation will be 20. final four winning the title winning the league and it's not easy you you're, you're going to face Satoransky Vesely, coacharas and and in the in Euroleague you're going to face FS Barça and all these other big clubs so it's not going to be easy but it's an exciting team to watch i have to say
2: if they made one more shot in the Euroleague final they would have been my off-season winner like just because Anadolu Efes is the reigning champion and they yeah. kept all the players but Real Madrid did equally as good job as Anadolu Efes did the only problem maybe you know with just Mateo and not not a problem with him, but a problem that he might face. I'm thinking, you know, all these players that are used to big roles in it to, to play big minutes, how they're gonna fare with smaller amount of shots, smaller amount of minutes. So I think, as you said, he's going to continue the same culture, the same philosophy, but the biggest job for him will be the locker room, how he handles it, that psychology part of the team. Because some of these players, are not simply not used in their careers playing s- small small minutes. Yeah. So this will be interesting to see how he handles. Yeah. Rotating
1: Hazonia, saying like okay, maybe you're like not playing t- this week. T- today you're gonna play twelve minutes because I have a set rotation. But the next game you're gonna play twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and Hezonia is gonna be like, what <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> I had a triple-double against <laughs> whatever team that was. For example, yeah. no, no, I'm talking about that triple-double against n- Smoky Minsk. Ah, or okay, like that league, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, I actually have uh, Olympia Milano.
0: My second pick uh, as well.
1: Yeah. It's very simple. Exactly. Torre Messina is carrying on the same way, uh, signing already established, proven, experienced Euroleague players. And that's when you have a big budget, this is the safest way you can go. And you cannot go wrong with Kevin Pangos, Brandon Davis, adding Deshaun Thomas with his experience. Um, Billy Baron? Billy Baron, yeah, as a shooter. Uh, they needed, ki- last season, we kind of saw that. Okay, Sergio Rodriguez is declining. Malcolm Delaney is injured. Yeah,
0: he was always in injuries.
1: And you need that real, true main point guard. Not like two point guards that spread 20 minutes for each other. Mm. And Kevin Pangos, he loves controlling the team. We remember what he did for Chavi Pascual two years ago. And there's no reason to think that he cannot do the same yeah, for Mes- he Messina. he can play easily for the minutes and, and, and ready for when, when you look physically. at the center position, Brandon Davis and Kyle Hines. Yeah. That's the best. You, you can switch for 40 have minutes. Yeah, you can switch for 40 minutes. And that's what Messina actually wants to do. We saw it in. And in, in, he's replacing in
0: Caleb previous season. So it's just. With unfair. Davis. Yeah, it's unfair. unfair, man.
1: And Deshaun Thomas, I actually like Deshaun Thomas. I think he's kind of an uh, underrated player. Um, because uh, Nicolo Melli, he's great, his basketball IQ is great, but last season I was kind of thinking that he's not delivering as we expected. We thought yeah. that his comeback from the NBA is going to be bigger, and now we have two great options for the stretch four position. You can go with Melli, you can go with Deshaun Thomas, you can actually play You can top, actually man. play big lineups and switch all defense where Thomas is the small forward, mm. and you also have Siobhan Shields so, I mean, they're they, complete. they have the money to spend on these players, but not every club with money makes wise decisions. And ever since Ettore Messina came to Milan, the decisions they're making, they're, they make sense, finally make sense because before Messina with coaches like Pianigiani and others, it was a mess. Yeah. They they were signing big it, names with big stats, but they were going nowhere. It was like Tel Aviv Maccabi, you mean? Nah. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. So right now, Pango's Davis.
2: I mean, and Davis will bring them a, an option that they didn't have in the two year in the years before. Because playing a post game? playing post, yeah. The mid range, yeah. they didn't have that in the last couple of years. So I know it's still still gonna be Pango's heavy pick and all offense with Nasmi also as the second point guard. He had an amazing season at at Brescia also. But Brandon Davis, I think he needed um, a change of scenery let's say like that. And I think he is going to be dominant as he was before.
1: And he's bringing another option to their offense. Yeah. And Billy Baron, he's not just a shooter, he's a facilitator. So that's a, another good thing. If you play with Pangos and Billy Baron, and, and Pangos struggling against a very tough defense, Billy Baron can take some load off of his shoulders. So, uh, Devon Hall is still there. Devon Hall had a good first season in Milan. They replaced some players that didn't really Workout, like like Troy Daniels, Troy Daniels, Daniels for Messina example, Jerian yeah. Grant. Really Grant. Believe in him yeah. that much, and they replaced them with with good signings. And I didn't even mention like Naz Mitru long. I saw some of his games in the Italian league. He's good. He's crazy good. Yeah. So, wow. He had a thirty eight game point game in the in the playoffs
2: against uh, Sassari. Yeah. And mm. I really wanted to see the Brescia against uh, Olympia in the semifinal, but but they lost at the end. But he is super athletic uh, yeah. and. Finally, he came to Europe after you know Voyages in, in G League, so.
0: And he's like fourth and fifth option in, on Milan's backcourt, it's incredible. And just on top of that, what you mentioned, all these guys, they can really shoot the ball very well uh, from the outside, and that was the problem they had the previous season. Although they had some great three-point specialists, but I mean, adding Billy Barron, Deshaun Thomas, even Kevin Pangos, I mean, they're amazingly good shooting three-pointer. And last year, Milan, uh, they were only 17th in true shooting percentage, 13th in three-point shooting percentage, and general overall offensive rating was only 15 in the EuroLeague, so they will for sure uh, improve in this area, and that what they're missing in some crucial games in the EuroLeague, at least. So they're good, they're going to be really good. Um, By the way, one important uh, thing, which also tells something about the uh, EuroLeague free agency and the EuroLeague market, that Kevin Pangos actually barely played last year. He played 24 games in the NBA, but he didn't get any consistent minutes. He played uh, some minutes, some more solid minutes, just because some Cavaliers guards had uh, injury problems. He even played two games in, in the G League. But the thing is that, he kind of missed the entire last season because he signed with Cesca in kind of February and didn't play since then. He returns to Europe and he kind of signs the same amount of uh, contract that he had on the table last year. I think that all, it also tells something about the problem with point guards in the EuroLeague. And actually Kevin Pangos, he's returning and missing one year of basketball, he's still the best available point guard uh, you can sign in the EuroLeague. That th- it's it's also crazy and I hope that with many new point guard signings, we will have some new fresh faces, new new stars in the EuroLeague because point guard market is already a big issue uh, for, for a lot of teams, not only for one season, it's an it's, it's ongoing issue for many teams. Anyway, the third option, the first selection probably will be very interesting because probably there are more... Uh, teams into cons- in yeah, consideration t- making uh, the my, my top rate.
1: three is gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, there are more teams you can choose from, definitely. But uh, well, you know me. I, I have to carry on with with Mike James bandwagon. Okay, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and and Monaco. There's
0: a reason why we have this Monaco and you should, uh jersey here in the studio.
1: And maybe Monaco's roster is not complete yet because last season, out of nowhere, they made signings in in September. So maybe they
0: will bring Nicolaitis for example. He still no, wasn't announced non but, yeah. but
1: what they've done so far, uh, they signed Elio Kobo, a very promising, exciting, young French player who beat them in the French League Finals, but it was a strange situation that during the series he already knew that he's going to Monaco, maybe which is why he kind of trembled and missed a clutch free throw. I don't know. Uh, lot, he lot, missed a lot, lot a lot of them. A lot of them, well. Yeah. Actually, a lot of them, but his uh, EuroLeague season, especially the first part of the season, just showed what a, what a dangerous, what what a problem he is for the other teams. Uh, left-handed shooting guard, and now he's going to play with Mike James and Jordan Lloyd, so it's not like the other team's going to focus on Okobo. You're going to see him like the second or third option, which will be a lot easier for him than to play in Asheville, okay, with Chris Jones, but the other guys are not that great. So Jordan Lloyd, Elio Kobo, Mike James, there's so much talent here. You can talk about chemistry issues or whatever, but you cannot question the talent. And they signed John Brown. He was probably one of the most wanted power forward slash centers and in the market. Just defenders in general. Yeah. yeah, A beast. And Adrian Moorman, you need some good French players since you're playing in the French league. So you brought up, a champion, a power forward who has a strong body. He, he was shooting from free, like 40% last season. So yeah, they got better in certain positions, but I don't think they're done yet because right now on the list, you see only one true Senator, which is Donna Hall, maybe what they're you know, going to extend sign a deal. Uh, he, he signed an extension, but he's it's signing. not s- still not official yet, but it's like, okay. it's done deal. So, but knowing that it's Monaco, like I said, yeah, when, when they signed Will Thomas and Mike James last September, out of nowhere, you were thinking, wow, what game changers. Maybe they're going to do something and like they this can now. join the team as well. Yeah. But the thing is that like when they made the playoffs and they had a great five game series against Olympiacos, we were applauding them. We were saying, wow, what a season right now. we are kind of expecting them to make the playoffs. Mm. It's not like yeah. taking the seventh or eighth seed is going to be something huge. You're expecting a team with Mike James, Jordan Lloyd, Delio Cobo, John Brown, Donta Hall to be in the top eight. And the competition is is crazy. When you add Virtus Bologna, when you add actually Partizan, the way they're building the team, and and Valencia and all the other clubs that actually got better from last season. So it's going to be hard, but I'm excited to see what they can do.
0: Yeah, I had few options for the first spot of my top three. Um, Prior to signing Wade Bolvin, I had Maccabi, let's say, on, on this list, but they signed Wade Bolvin and now it's getting unpredictable with that team. And I have few options and I don't have a clear favorite for that position. I was thinking about uh, Barcelona, for example. At first, I didn't like the idea of swapping uh, Vesely with uh, Brandon Davis, because in general, I like Brandon Davis more as a more versatile center, who is also younger, who is uh, fresher, who doesn't have uh, such an injury history. And I think that, mm, you know, it's kind of bad that Barcelona couldn't keep him. But at the same time, the addition of Brandon Davis we saw last season he wasn't good. He wasn't good as he was in his first season with Sharuna Sesikavica. So- He just looked
1: tired from, he wasn't tired himself. from himself. He looked yeah. tired. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Uh, he so needed to change the environment.
0: So Vesely is coming in his place. And what was interesting about Vesely that Fenerbahče also wanted to, to, to keep him. But from what I heard that as soon as Satransky declared that he wants to return to Europe and prioritized Barcelona, and it, it was getting kind of obvious that he's uh, getting back to Barca, even Fenerbahce people kind of felt that there's no chance to keep Jan Vesely. And although they probably uh, made a better offer financially, Uh, He was just looking for some other things and they're super close. Uh, I mean, Vesely and Sadoransky, they're super close off the court. They're very good friends. They both love Czech Republic uh, national team. They're very important part of this, let's say, best era of Czech Republic basketball uh, they're having right now uh, because these two guys made this national team very competitive again and they feel each other very well uh, on, on the court. And on top of that, uh, I, I mean, talking about Sotransky, I think that he's a little bit better option than Nikolaitis because he's younger, he's a better uh, spot-up shooter. Maybe he's a better finisher uh, with the contact and we will, we'll will give some more tools offensively. kalaitis is a better, uh, better creator, he's a better defender, but probably Sotransky offers to show us that what he was a bit missing. And on top of that, I mean, Satrainsk, basically, they already make a final four contender, uh, but then you have Nikola Mirotic, who is playing his best basketball in his career. And he's injured. That's another part, and I will talk, of it, uh, I will talk about it uh, later. Mm, then you have Corey Higgins, who we hope is getting healthy, and uh, he was very important uh, to Barcelona. And he was healthy on the court, and his presence in the locker room is also crucial. You have improving Rocca you have uh, La Provitola and his successful first uh, season with Barca, but the most important part is that they brought Nicola Kalinic. I mean, I think that that's just awesome a signing for. They wanted him Barca. actually
1: last yeah, year. Yeah,
0: it just didn't happen for some reasons. Maybe because of the buyout, which was also involved, and maybe because of Mirotic uh, Just uh, Kalinic was just wanted to go back to home, be closer with his family after the COVID years, uh, and we all know how Sharas likes big lineups and especially these small uh, small forwards. With great size with defensive abilities with you know game reading offense reading and especially because of his post-up uh, game i i just believe that he's gonna be very important piece in all the picture of course we have these questions about health Mirotić, he might be out until mm, winter from yeah. from what I hear. And that's, Th- that's, that's the an rec- issue.
2: That's the red flag about the Barcelona season. That's
0: true, that's true. And we uh, have, uh, without you know, we him? we're not sure about Corey Higgins, if he is going to get back in his shape because he're, he's 33, so there are enough uh, red flags. But roster wise, what they did, I think that on the paper, they're better team than they were mm. uh, last and season. When if when Nikola
2: Kalinic, if, ni- if Nikola Mirotic is back to, Himself being himself in the second part of the season, yeah. Yeah.
1: But when Miro got hurt, they were very quick to sign, let's say, a replacement. But it is Mike Toby, who's a center, uh, a pick and pop center, similar kind of to Shanley. Do you see Vesely playing as a power forward? What are they going to do? Knowing shot like, as like, could to- be. like Toby spreading the floor and, and Vesely. Vesely was playing a lot as a power forward. in, in Fenerbahce Joko. was mm. which was not, in my opinion, a very, I don't good, like this very smart choice. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter the positions
2: that you put them in. It matters where they are put on the on the court. So yeah. Mike Toby can just spread out on the three point line and that's it. But in my eyes it's not necessarily position to position replacement you know mike mm-hmm. toby's not coming in for nicola meritage he is gonna take a different role and be like a floor spacer but i don't know But that was what sean lee was supposed to be and they still have him mm-hmm. so if he is staying sean lee maybe they just you know needed okay mira got injured we need another player and yeah. we need a floor spacer. So you sign Mike Toby and Vesely is just going to be the, the pick and roll roller guy. Yeah, I'm but because I'm,
1: I'm just remembering how Vesely was playing in Fenerbahce in, in lineups with Duverioglu, for example, or yeah. or Devin Booker. I, I, I really like Vesely more when he's the pure number five yeah, in that team. I agree. He's playing all the pick and rolls and, 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 and the power forward is somebody who stretches the floor. Like, I don't know, Alec Peters, for example, somebody like that, but We'll see. Shara's obviously has a plan, yeah, which, maybe which is will why play he brought four Toby. More minutes. We'll see what, what happens. But I I do agree with you that um, uh, it's it's very important to have players with good relationships. And when you sign two players from Czech Republic and uh, key players from key positions, yeah, and and they're good friends. They're key positions. You have the you have your pick and roll set. Yeah. Let, let, let's put it this way, and. Satoransky. It's been a while since we saw him in Europe in Barcelona shirt, but we saw him in some FIBA tournaments, and he loves to lead the team. He, I mean, the NBA numbers maybe don't show that, but if you look, for example, in the uh, to the 2019 World Cup, it looks like he got more consistent shooting the ball because he left Europe, being a guy who who's sort of okay from mid range, but he's not uh, not good from free point line. In the NBA, I believe it was like 31, 32 percent which isn't great, but it should be an improvement uh, comparing to Kaladius.
2: And adding to your point about uh, Kalinic, I think he is the game changer for Barcelona, just because he's probably coming in, in the place of Nigel hayes Davis, mm-hmm. And I think he was asked to do too much in that team. Like Hayes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hayes Davis, and uh, he was often asked to attack mismatches in the post and knock down spot up open three point shots. And in the post, he is not consistent, and he had trouble against Real Madrid. And even before in the Euroleague, we saw that he's he is not as good as Nikola Kalinic. I think is in in the post, and as a spot up shooter, he is not consistent as well. Like you, you can't count on Hayes Davis to make. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shots consistently, and it's, and Barcelona needed that because you know you play post-heavy basketball and you have Nicolaitis on your team. So you need the shots you get, the only shots you get open. You need someone who hits it, and uh, he was simply not that. So I think it's it's an
0: upgrade in that. And they if, also needed that size because on the other end of the Shares Spanish League finals, there's Gabriel Deck, all these big bodies like Mario Hezoni. I mean, they needed some size and physicality, which uh, uh, Kalinic can offer.
2: And he's like the perfect player for Jessica. Yes. Like if Mirotic grind f- f- for grind
1: for, for other teams, it's a nightmare to play Mirotic and Kalinic, who can both um, attack you in the post in, in various situations. I mean, I know that. Kalnić is not going to be used like in Cervenha's Vesda when he was doing everything mm. but mm. he can create from the post for example uh, which we remember Sharas loves uh, Edgar Solanovas probably had his best games best seasons best season. in Sharas in system so and I agree with Augustus that it just all depends on on Mirotić. If he's gonna be, if he's gonna be healthy for the second part of the season, I mean, they can survive the first part of the season. They they will get some wins, obviously, with the with the oh, quality sure. that they have. And if Mirotić is back, yeah, they need, but they need to win titles actually. Shara's needs to win titles with with this team yeah. because uh, now losing the the Spanish league um, again, two league final fours, they didn't win. He's on, He's on an expiring contract. Xavi Pascal so
0: might be available next summer, so
1: it's a do or die for him. He needs to win. He needs to win this season. But
0: can you imagine the lineup with Sotoransky, Higgins, Kalinic, Mirotic, and Vesely? I mean, the shortest guy is Higgins, 196, yeah. Satoransky 2.05, Kalinic, 2.03. Satoransky 2.05? Uh, is he that tall? Satoransky 2.01, no. sorry. yeah. yeah. Okay. He's over two. Two, 2 05, I was like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Kalinic is two point zero three, yeah. so it's a huge lineup, just like Shadas loves. So mm. it's you, gonna you be interesting.
2: You have Sadaransky, you have Kalinic, and uh, Mirotić. Three guys who can play in the post really well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and then you have and you have, Mirit- have
2: automatic mismatches. Just you know dribbling up the half court.
0: And just unfair game for these lower uh, bottom teams in in the Euroleague, and that's where we are getting to the losers' side, right? Uh, the losers of this off season, uh, who you would start with? It was it was really hard to it choose really actually hard.
1: because some of these teams you cannot say that they're yeah. losers. It's because they're many
0: winners. They have this I summer. Mean,
1: s- some clubs obviously just have budget limitations and exactly and and they cannot replace some of the. Yeah. star players that are leaving. So, uh, I cannot judge Alba Berlin or, or, or Zalgiris right now. We just have to wait and see how the season goes. But, uh, one of the teams on my list as, lo- as losers is, is Baskoni actually. Um, I think that, I uh, Alec Peters left the team. Simone Fontecchio is trying himself in the NBA. Wade Baldwin left. Okay. He had some stats, nice stats, but he was probably not making the team better. But the replacements they signed for these guys, unproven players, which some of them I actually haven't even seen yet. And maybe they find they found some gems. I don't know. But I think they've lost too much, Uh, especially talking about Fontecchio. And I I think they're gonna have a long and difficult season and and knowing that Basconia's uh, management usually doesn't have any patience with 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 coaches uh, they're starting with Joan Penaroya, but in Basconia you're always on a hot seat so so when when is uh, Perasovic coming back? <laughs> 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 He's still under contract with Wunik, so you, you mean like uh, with with uh, with Dusko? With, that's it. There's not I gonna be. Oh, available. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot, uh, there's not gonna be a fourth or fifth comeback. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, ha- I have them as losers <laughs> because it, because just um, uh, I I don't think they're a very small budget team. Okay, in in Euroleague context, they're not one of those elite clubs, but they have some money, and you kind of expect when big players leave to sign at least some proven EuroLeague players. And so far they, they haven't done that. Yeah, they, they risk a lot no. with these players,
0: like newcomers, like Marcus Howard or Dalton Holmes. Uh, for example, Mike Kotzar also is a backup for Steven Enoch. But you know, it's the team which was always known for finding some interesting players. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Maybe exactly. they found some gems, yeah. but. They had great, great front office. But you right know, now my, my
1: overall impression is that this uh, off season they didn't get any better. Yeah, and maybe on the paper for sure. Maybe on they on the got worse, sure. so. yeah. If I'm not
2: mistaken, Marcus Howard had a 27-point average at Marquette. Marcus Howard is And my you know Denver is great at finding uh, point guards. He's mm. on
0: my top three rookies to watch list, actually, because he's he's an incredible player. Okay, so if
1: it works out very well with Marcus Howard… Maybe he's
0: next but Mike James or Shane Lachan But that's, Lachan that's, type that's of still player.
1: one name only. Yeah. I cannot say much about Mike Kotzar, for example. What can he bring to the table? Great hustle uh, center, but, you know… Dalton Holmes… We'll see, but yeah, uh, maybe they're still gonna sign somebody because I see that the roster is kind of thin. So uh, there's still some time left.
0: Okay, so I already mentioned Real Madrid as my losers because of Pablo Lasso. I hate him again. I uh, also have on my list kind of, Oswell well, Villarbrun Villarbrun slash EuroLeague slash Tony Parker, just because of Victor Vembanyama. I think that that's a huge loss for the EuroLeague basketball that Vembanyama left the tournament uh, exposure-wise. Because if you remember what kind of attention, what kind of hype Luka Doncic had in his last year before jumping to the NBA, I thought that Vembanyama was about to improve the next year I thought that he will have a bigger role, bigger minutes, bigger numbers. And, you know, once again, we will have this huge uh, attention from the other side of the ocean. But now when Banyama left, he opted out of his contract and I tried to dig in what what happened because it's unusual for number one uh, draft prospect and number one pick uh, going, leaving not just a regular organization leaving Tony Parker and his project, because we all knew what kind of job, what good job Tony Parker is doing here in, in France. So uh, I've heard, or at least my sources are suggestion that, suggesting that the main reasons why Vambanyama left uh, Oswald was, first of all, coach TG Parker, the way he was managing Van Baniyama, uh the way he was treating him and Some people think that he was too harsh with him. Some people think that maybe it was connected to his injury history that year because he had some injuries and that was the reason why he was sometimes in and out and he couldn't stay consistent for for longer stretches. And for a young player, that's a bad thing because you don't have enough time to, to practice your skills, for example, or, or to play. And maybe he was just too young, you know, for that kind of uh, workload. And that's why he chose the team. Surprisingly, Metropolitan's which is not even playing any European competition except from domestic league. And talking about Metropolitans, it was a surprising move because everybody was talking about Paris basketball, EuroCup club, with some ambitions, uh, with some nice project, nice vision. And it was kind of, uh, everybody thought that he, is, he was going uh, to end up here. But he chose Metropolitans, which had some significant financial issues, which had, Coach Vincent Collet, who was ready to resign from the club and Metropolitans actually beyond the upcoming season, it's not clear if they will have the arena to play in the domestic league or any other league of basketball because their contract with the current arena is, is getting over as far as I know. So. That team was close to just disappear from the basketball map here and Vambanyama, the biggest prospect in Europe we had since Luka Doncic and together combining its best prospects of the decade, for example, uh, probably uh, now he's heading here. And the reason is simple. From what I hear, my sources said that Vambanyama is so good that he could just shut down. For the next season uh, he would still be the number one draft. Yeah, so pick.
1: maybe that's the thing. He doesn't need to play too many games exactly. and maybe get injured. Exactly. Playing just in he can, regular minutes in the French league.
0: Once per week. Yeah. In French league, with no expectations, with no travels around Europe with commercial flights. He has more he will have more time to work with his skills to get ready yeah. for the draft to take care of his body, which is exceptional. So maybe that's smart because exactly. look, what are you
1: gonna do with Assel? Are you gonna win the Euroleague? Yeah. No. No. He doesn't care about so. winning.
0: I mean he's too young to you know care about winning yet, he's not, okay, we have this great example of Luka Doncic. He was amazing talent, he played in all these different tournaments, playing probably around 30 minutes because everybody around was injured, he still led them to the titles in every major competition. That's cool, but that's kind of, you know, historical thing, that's once in a hundred years. Bambaniyama's case, at first, it looked surprise, as a surprise that he left, but now, as I said, everything, makes a lot of sense, actually.
1: I don't have as well as losers just because, I mean, they did what they they can. Uh, We got used to them being the team with, playing with young guys, like last season, we saw a Kobo, Vembanyama a little bit, Strazel. They went from this to being a veteran team led by the Colo and Laverne. And these are the best French veteran players they could get and they replaced Cobo with Nano De Colo. And Asville is a small club in yeah. terms of Euroleague and the money they spend. So
0: I, I agree with you that roster wise, they weren't impacted a lot because they found great replacements. Because yeah. from what I heard, Tony found a uh, good sponsor, good investor uh, just to cover these big contracts of De Colo and Laverne. But my idea was about losing the. Biggest star, uh, the potential number one yeah, draft pick. you mean pick like losing, maybe losing
1: the potential buyout? Mm, <laughs> biggest star, not the buyout. So, but when Banyama is a star, it's not like he could lead them somewhere in basketball. I don't think he, he was going terms. to play that much, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So he was
0: about to play over ten,
1: 20 minutes. I mean, that was over a part 20. of the plan. Yeah, But yeah. it wouldn't be winning anyway.
0: Yes, so. that's true. And
1: you're not making money in Euroleague because of. But TV you're losing all this deals. exposure, you know. But what a does it NBA give to people, the club?
0: It gives a lot, it
1: gives what? a lot. What do you All mean? All these
0: connections, networking, uh, bigger attention from the NBA, you can use that attention marketing wise
1: as a club. I don't really see asphalt with that gym marketing or that's earning true. any that's, money. That's
0: another topic, of course. But I mean, just in general, I think that's a huge loss, not only for asphalt, but your league basketball and, and uh, Tony Parker as well, you know, image wise, I okay. would say. Yeah, it's anyway. it's less uh, basketball related okay. uh, loss. So let's move
1: on. Just then. to make clear, what yeah. do you have on your
2: on your uh, list? Just to just to finish up, I think your info about when Bommel should go viral. So let's hope that there was a lot of. <laughs> it's <laughs> a, a <laughs> podcast.
1: There was, <laughs> a Don't it too
2: there was a lot of interesting points that you made. So. Yeah,
0: I was about to write about an article about that. So for sure, I have to check through my sources again. But at least from what I heard from multiple sources, that's kind of the uh, main reasons why he left. There's even know. even more, but. Not, not for pl- and, you know, public. For example, uh, team, team
2: NBA teams are already tanking. Some of yeah. them, for, mm-hmm. for him. So San Antonio, for example, that that proves your point. You know that makes sense. Connected connects the dots that some when Banyama cannot even play. You know,
1: next season, and yeah. uh, maybe he would still be number one just because he, of his. He potential. seems a lock in, in yeah. number one right now. Yeah, if nothing changes dramatically. Uh,
2: I had s- Byron München.
1: Yeah, I have them also.
2: And for the same reasons as for Bosconia, they just simply let go of a lot of talent and they replaced them with, you know, bets from the G League. So they lost to Sean Thomas, uh, Darren Hillard, Nihad Jedovic, and they added Cassius Winston, who was who had a 12 or 14 points average in the G League. Elias Harris, who was playing in Japan and does a little bit of everything, and uh, Nicholas Wimberg from Chemnitz who had a six point average in the German league yeah. and the center, Freddy Gillespie, who had a 9.6 rebound and one and a half blocks in the G League. So uh, just too much talent that was let go. And you don't experience, know- Experience,
1: not only talent.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was thinking how, to, how I could summarize the, the summer that Bayern Munich did. And I thought of like quantity over talent and experience. They have a, a lot of players already. Yeah. But I'm not sure if they have enough talent to win a lot of games. I'm a big believer of Andrea Trincheri magic.
1: Two years in a row. Two years in a row the they made
2: the playoffs. Yeah. But I just don't see them
1: making the same run this year. I don't see them making the same run purely because the EuroLeague looks too strong right now. That also. and And they're gambling with these guys, obviously. I don't know their uh, capabilities right now. I need to watch them and study them a little bit so I could have a clear opinion. But I do agree that they look like off-season losers just because it's hard to replace experienced, quality EuroLeague players with guys from G League. Very rarely it it, it works out well. Very rarely you find some players that are even better than you, you you expected. So Darren Hilliard in this team, all the injuries kind of stopped him from having an even better season. But when he was healthy, you saw that in a uh, mediocre Euroleague team, Darren Hilliard is is, is an, an offensive machine. Like when he was not CSKA, he was sort of like a spot up shooter. That's not who he is. He's is a, a true leader on offense. Deshaun Thomas. I already spoke about him a little bit, how I value him as a as a power forward. And yeah, it's just these names don't Say much to me right now, like Winston or or, or Gillespie. We'll see what happens. We I mean, we all trust Trinkiri yeah, d- in this room, obviously. Daniela Boyes, the sports
0: director, as well. He's amazing basketball mind, and he, he has he, he's known for finding all these gems. So we'll have to be patient to see what Winston and Gillespie can offer on the table. And Trinkiri, yeah. of course, the best coach for player development in the Euro- Euroleague, probably. So
1: obviously, what I like about this team is that they extended Vladimir Lucic, uh during the last season that they ke- they're keeping Nick Weiler, Bob, for example, oh, yeah. I think he, this will be like a breakthrough season for him because Should last be. la- last season when they were out of point guards in the playoffs against Barcelona, he was put in that position as a ball and handler, we can, we can and
0: kind of expect the improvements yeah. in this
1: area for Bab and he he maybe yeah. he will play Ogirubi that is, role is still there. Othello Hunter he's not retiring, he's going to play for at least one more season. So you still have guys from last year. Uh, I hope they will be healthy, which health is an issue yeah. usually for Lucic, for example. Um, I'm cheering for Trinchieri, but I have to put them on the list of losers this offseason because mm-hmm. just too much quality and experience was, was and th- th- lost. That's also part of
0: the fact that they had some budget issues. I mean, they had very limit- limited budget uh, in this off season. And that's why you can explain these, let's say interesting signings, Winston Gillespie and no big names uh, signing because they just didn't have any capabilities of bringing better players. I, I, I don't know the reasons uh, yet uh, why they had these financial issues, but of course that was, that, Maybe that was a big part of why they Electricity kept,
1: him, kept in them. Europe and gas. gas.
0: Probably <laughs> no. I heard that Zenit is a very rich team right now because mm-hmm. of gas. Good luck for them. Okay, and I have two teams already on my losing list. You I don't, don't have, have any more. You have Munich, Toscana,
2: and I had Alba, but
0: Alba. I uh, you're unfair. You just they're yeah, doing yeah. their thing. I you're busting eyes over. I don't know I, situation. I, I really no, didn't I understand have the a situation, but
1: I, I really honestly didn't have a clear third yeah. pick for example. But what I did pick and You're I You're feeling t- bad I about I it. I, I kind see. of feel wrong <laughs> about <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel wrong about saying this. But Maccabi. Just go for it, yeah. Maccabi <laughs> um not just because I wait bald when it it looks like they're playing basketball manager in real life. I'm not so sure about the head coach. And I wouldn't want to have Wade Baldwin next to Lorenzo Brown and Darren Hilliard. You go with Brown and Hilliard, that's enough. As a backup, you can sign somebody somebody else. A more simple player, <laughs> for example. Austin <laughs> Hollins is also there as a shooting guard. But You, know, I mean, you had the basketball manager uh, comparison.
2: I was like a couple of weeks ago talking with Donatas and I just told him, You know these games when you have uh, like our social media also does when you have let's they say you have 15 euros or 15 dollars you you have have the list of players so maccabi was doing quite a good job before they they had like four or three euros left and then they went just like okay let's take the best available player and not what fits
1: our team yeah i mean nebo Poitras, for example these are good signings for a modern EuroLeague team and it might be good. All they might these be signings a winning team. made a lot of sense. I mean, they might be a winning team with this mm. roster, with this group of guys. But if I'm building a team, in my dreams, if I'm a general manager, <laughs> I would look for more balance. I want to think about how the player A fits with player B. And I just don't see Wade Baldwin fitting in with Lorenzo Brown, Darren Hilliard, Austin Hollins. Uh, Wade Baldwin wants to have the ball in his hands all the time. Lorenzo Brown last year had his best season so far when he was the guy running the show next to Mario Hezonja, but it was okay. Wade Baldwin, I mean, Wade Baldwin is a strange phenomenon mm. right now in Europe. He has the stats, he has the tools, but so far only Andrea Trinchieri was the coach that somehow managed him. And Odet Katash. I have nothing against the guy, but so far I don't have any reason to think that he's an elite European coach. So I ha- I, I, I'm mentioning Maccabi in this list, but at the same time I hope it, it it's going to be a good season for them because I kind of like Tel Aviv and Maccabi and I, I want to see them better than they are recently. And also Panathinaikos I had this big name on the list as well because they're also kind of playing the basketball manager game. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the luck is playing basketball <laughs> manager game. I mean, uh, the owner may, maybe because Could he decided be. to spend more money. Could be. Yeah.
0: Any, any reasons uh, I mean, about Panaikos? Would you like well, to elaborate? More
1: or less the same reasons. Huh. Bad fit on the court? These players taken separately, they, they, they seem fine uh-huh. but on the same roster, it looks kind of random. Paris Lee with Andrew Andrews, Grigonis, Walters, also on the same positions. Okay, the Kalaydzakis brothers. Also, I think the the centers they're like playing with Papayanis and Gudaitis. If I have Papayanis, I would like my other center me. to be some someone like uh, of, of course, Martin, up to the coach, example. But
0: for me, I just I would like I would like to have way different player than Papayanis.
1: Derek Williams, well, I like Derek Williams, but uh, he seems to be changing teams every year and, and Fenerbahce was not great for him. Valencia was okay. Maccabi last season, now he's going to Panathinaikos. Uh, it's strange, huh? It tell, tells you maybe something. Maybe, behind the maybe, lines. I don't know. But I, like I said, I, I like him really. Uh, They're going to be better than last season, obviously, because you cannot go any worse. But uh, if you have more money, it doesn't mean that you have to like spend it irrationally. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: I have I I try to be creative because as we all agree that this year league got stronger, most of the teams improve their budgets and sign some very quality players. And even the bottom teams, they improved as well. For example, Zalgiris, although their roster looks weak, but compared to the last year, it was hard to be Worse than that, but still they improved the roster. Alba Berlin, okay, didn't make any significant changes, but at the same time, there is continuity. Uh, Coach Israel Gonzalez starting his second uh, head coaching year. Some, let's say, younger players, for example, uh, Jalen Smith, he's going to get to be better and you might expect some improvement in in, in their team. So. It was hard to find clear loser. So I went with some creative uh, scenario, just like with Vemba actually, because it was not related to us well uh, as a basketball team. So I went with these EuroLeague teams, as my losers, with these uh, EuroLeague teams who were supporting the change of the EuroLeague CAO, Jordi Bertomeo, because the thing is that Jordi Bertomeo is still in charge. I mean, his last day in the EuroLeague office was supposed to be June 30. From what I'm hearing in July, he's still in charge. From what I'm hearing, there's no clear uh, person who will overtake the league. Uh, Okay, now EuroLeague is on vacation. They're shut down the office for two, uh, three weeks. But I mean, there are no indications that all this opposition of Jordi has a clear, one person who will lead the tournament uh, for the upcoming years. Uh, I'm hearing some rumors about Marshall Glickman, uh, founder of a G2 Strategic uh, company who also was the special advisor of Jordan, the League 20 years ago. He does some, some business including sports and entertaining, advising and stuff. Uh, I don't know if he, if he is still the main candidate, at least he was, but I mean, there's still a lot of uncertainty and it's just terrible for the competition because you cannot improve as the competition having this unclear situation with your boss uh, in the office. And Jordi is still, now he's on vacation probably, but he's just still smiling, drinking some uh, cocktails. You're not gonna get rid of me that easy. No, 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 he's good, (laughs) he's the boss, he's the boss. So I'm just, I think that yearly teams are just losers uh, because of that, these six or seven teams, I don't remember, but it's it shouldn't be like that. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine, you know, successful organization being run like that.
2: So few teams in the tournament are losers, but the loser itself is the tournament,
0: let's mm, say that. Uh, Competition-wise, competition. it got stronger. Organization-wise, yeah. it's, it's still, it's, it's just it's still moving, the same. It's <laughs> just <laughs> moving water and moving uh, not moving water is, is a bad thing. So yeah, let's finish our podcast with uh, top rookies to watch. Right? You can actually throw all three you have on your list with short arguments. Okay. Why yeah, you pick them? Because we're not talking about the best available or exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry, players. so I'm yeah. going to keep
1: it short. Yeah, we cannot <laughs> keep you hungry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so the first name, Sammy Ogili. Uh Bologna were to sign him. Uh, Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens has an eye for these guys and, and we, we see what's happening with Gershon Yabusele. He was also on the Celtics. He, Shane Larkin. Uh, uh, Yabusele maybe didn't make make it big in the NBA for the Boston Celtics. But there's a reason why Brad Stevens wanted him and saw him as a potential power forward in the NBA. Now he's dominating the EuroLeague. It's kind of similar with Sammy Ogile. I think he's going to be one of the best defensive players in, in in the EuroLeague in the upcoming season. Uh, you can play him as a number three or number four. It depends on the coach. But again, Brett, if if it's a player that's coming after four years being there with Brett Stevens, you know he's going to have a good character, a good work ethic. And I think he's going to be a very intriguing player in, in the EuroLeague. He's, n- he's never played in Europe so far. It's gonna be his his first season here. He played four years with Boston Celtics. Then he, for a short period of time, was with with the Bucks and the Clippers. So that's the first name on my list. Uh, the second one, Jonathan Motley, it's the obvious one. Yeah. It's just not much to be said. Well, the most intriguing. It's not Euro much to be said. We were talking about Euro him Cup. coming to, to the EuroLeague last season all the time. Mm. And the third one, just because I'm Lithuanian and we're going to follow Zalgiris is because it's interesting to see what is the ceiling for this guy. Uh, we had some like like a sneak peek so far because we saw him in not the greatest competition yeah, against teams like Latvia, level. Estonia or, 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 or uh, Czech Republic, Bulgaria. And it's going to get serious in the Eurobasket. But in the full Euroleague season, you see that the potential is there. So he could be a huge game changer for Chalgris, and he could be a guy that goes from 400k or whatever he's gonna earn this season to like a almost million euros mm. next season if he stays in the EuroLeague. So these are the three names, three rookies I'm looking forward to watching this season.
0: Yeah, I also had uh, Ignas Brazdeikis on my list, uh, Me and too. not only because he's a very interesting, intriguing pick and roll. Uh, potential star in the EuroLeague, I think that he has that skill set, which is incredibly, can inc- be incredible fit uh, for the EuroLeague basket, but also he's very, in- Interesting personality. Although he is down to earth, we kind of noticed it in the Lithuanian national team. In the college he was known as a badass. I mean he was always teasing the opposing team fans when he was uh, playing away, and he was one of the most hated players in the college because he was always doing some science, you know, to the stand. So I can't wait to see him performing well in gyms like Belgrade, Athens, uh, Olympiakos, for example. So I'm not sure if he will be so you know aggressive all these actions, I but mean, he, that he's might probably be not going to be on a winning team, so <laughs> that's <laughs> also an <laughs> issue. It's going to be <laughs> <For him>? hard. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> but also depends if Jargis will be successful.
2: You love that he has that mindset. Of course, of course. I he mean, doesn't care. Me. He doesn't
0: have any authorities, and especially in European basketball. He thinks that yeah. he's the NBA player and you know he's very confident about himself. And we in
2: Lithuania miss players like that, mm. with that kind of mindset and yeah. that kind of potential also. Uh, I had two names, brazekis Motley, and mm. Mitru Long, but we already talked about it uh-huh. a little bit. And the last name is just Carson Edwards from
0: Fenerbahce. Uh-huh. Why? G Another Le- Celtics guy.
2: Yeah, but he was playing there, not- Barely playing. Barely, barely, barely playing, played. yeah. Just ba- basically because there was Kyrie, there were Kemba Walker there, Marcus Smart, he couldn't ha- get playing time. Uh, but he is a guy who was G League scoring champion last year. I think he is a gamble with Fenerbahce because he is a great offensive player. He is a great shooter. He can knock down three pointers from seven, eight, nine meters with ease off the dribble. But uh, I'm not sure how he's going to fit in Europe in the EuroLeague. Uh, he wasn't. I am preparing an article about him, so I watched a lot of his games and clips. He wasn't really playing defense. Um, he was basically, he, was, he wasn't he was a creator. He was playing for himself. But if this man gets hot, you can expect 30, 40 points. You know, he had a 46-point performance, I think, last year in the G League with 17 of 25 shooting. Another game with 14 from 19 from the field. He's so good off the dribble that he can, there can be games this season where he's averaging, where he has 20, 25 points in short periods of time. So I'm looking forward to watching this guy.
0: Marcus Howard is the same type of player that Basconia brought as the main point guard. He's very young, uh, 23. He played two years for Denver, uh, also for their G League team pure scorer, very soft touch, uh, can be very successful in Europe because of his scoring skills. He had consecutive 40-plus points games in college, including 51-point yeah. performance, had a couple of 20-plus-point uh, games in the NBA, and when Jamal Murray got injured, Denver was very happy how, how Howard contributed because he got bigger role in that uh, rotation. But, of course, he must focus more on his defense, on involving his teammates. And, you know, he might be exposed in the because of his defense, if he won't get serious and won't put more effort on that side of the end. But at the same time, as we mentioned, Basconia brought to Europe, at least, not to Europe, to Euroleague all these scorers like Mike James, Shane Larkin, for example, Henry Henry's another example uh, of great- I will
1: m- never forget Darius Adams. Yeah, Darius Adams, <laughs>
0: another crazy- It's a shame guard. he
1: went to China so quickly. Yeah.
0: He is always tweeting about returning to Europe and league but he's never come come back actually. So I hope that this will be the year. Uh, Maybe it's too late. Could be, could be.
1: But I remember him.
0: So it will be interesting to watch uh, this kid, Marcus Howard. And the uh, last name on my list, adding uh, Ignas Brasdekis as well, is Parker Jackson Cartwright. He's 27. Mm. He's the newcomer of Aswell Villarban and he's listed at least on wikipedia and some other uh, basketball databases, databases he's listed uh 180 centimeters player but the thing is that he looks way smaller you can obviously notice it watching his highlights other uh, websites list him as him as 176 but to be fair, probably that's with shoes. And he could be like 173, 174. Earl
1: Boykins.
0: (laughs) I don't remember shorter guy in the EuroLeague in in years than this kid. So it's going to be interesting just to see, I'm just curious to see if he can be any successful because it's so interesting that two years ago, he was still playing British Basketball League. Uh, No, it was, yeah, it was season 1920. Uh, two years ago in 2021, he was playing in second France division. Last year, he was playing in Germany and had made some difficult time for Bayern Munich in the playoffs. I Amazing think. So season, yeah. Great scorer, very. <laughs> it's it's just a pleasure to watch this kid playing. And, you know, he's just like that random created player on NBA Live, just too small, too short, but making all these things, creating <laughs> opportunities. overall teammates. on offense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> A lot of interesting rookies are uh, going to be here. We're not sure about their level, but we'll see. Maybe we'll have some new stars in the yearly basketball. Guys, it was a great time. Yeah. time for enjoyed it really time much. Time I was happy to have you here again, at least not happy he- to have you here again, but happy, uh, happy to be, to have this new lineup uh, here under around one table, so, as I said, mm, we're not uh, cutting Eric McCollum. He probably will join us during the EuroLeague season. At least he committed for another season on Urbonu's podcast. <laughs> but that will be a little bit different type of uh, podcast with him. But was of it a player option? It was kind of mutual option. More of a player option. <laughs> but <laughs> I also had some and impact on that uh, extension. So yeah, yeah he should be are. here as well. Of course, Ritus will be here, Augustus, we will see him here more often, and we're just glad to be back. We're waiting for your feedback on our YouTube channel, basketnews.com. You can also find us on Spotify and all the main audio platforms. Pleasure to hear from you guys. See you soon.